0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning, everybody. Joe Gavallis with the Safe Senior Hour, and uh, I hope all are doing well. And uh, today we have a, 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 a special guest that I'm uh, uh, a person that I work with, uh, Tony Yarborough. He's an investigator with the Rome, Georgia Uh, police department, and he is probably, certainly in North Georgia, if not in Georgia, one of the preeminent investigators that, that have been working, uh, elder abuse type cases. And as we, as we, before we start our show in in more detail, we have to remember our definition of elder abuse are physical, financial, uh, exploitation, and institutional. So, Tony, uh, welcome, and uh, thank you for coming on today.
2: Yes, sir, no problem.
1: Um, we will, uh, we're will. we going to go through just uh, your background in, in a minute, but I think we always start off our, our shows by reminding all our listeners that elder abuse doesn't report itself. So you need to uh, help your fellow citizens, your relatives, and anyone you know by, by if there's something bothers you, Again, the old statement, if you see something, say something, but you have a great choice of people to report it to, and and that includes your local law enforcement, uh, your adult protective services, or whatever uh, organization that's out there. So with that, uh, uh, Tony, just give us a little background on, on, on Rome. I mean, Rome is a city in northwest Georgia. About how big is it?
2: Rome's close to probably 40,000 in the city itself and uh, less than 100,000 county wide for Floyd County.
1: <clears throat> but you are for the northwest area, you're like <clears throat> the center of it, correct? Yes. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me, i got a cough here. Um, give us a little background on your <clears throat> your background, please.
2: Uh, I'm Tony Yarber I'm a detective with the Rome City Police Department I, I've been a policeman for about 26 years now uh, I've been in the field of elder uh, investigations and dis- disabled crimes for about going on four years now uh, I got into this when I, when I was moved to the detective division uh, I guess because when I came to detectives I was a senior man so they just automatically assumed that I would be the, the uh, elder abuse investigator for the city
1: Well, based on that, just to give some people some scope on how big your department is, how many investigators do you have in the detective bureau?
2: In our detective division, we have approximately 10 investigators. Uh, Our whole department is about a 100-man department.
1: So we can see, as as, listeners out there, that... This is a probably an average you know small city town um, that you would you know find throughout the United States and probably the world. Um, but that there are clearly issues dealing with uh, elder abuse at, at all areas here. Uh, let me ask you on the um, uh, how, what is your you know since you've been doing this four years, I know, knowing you, you develop an interest in it. And basically, what's what's your thoughts about uh, the investigation of elder abuse? We
2: well, you know I didn't realize how prevalent elder crimes were until I started back here in, this, in the investigative division. And, and actually, tell you the truth, from the time that I started back here till now, you've seen the elder crimes actually ramp up around the, especially the city, but uh, actually nationwide, you see you see it, it, it happen. It's more prominent than ever.
1: Yeah, I, and I think as we talked about in the beginning, we were talking about um, the three types of, of elder abuse from uh, physical, institutional, and uh, uh, financial exploitation. Um, I just went on the uh, Baker Fraud Report, and they they had a copy from the uh, AARP that just um, put out a uh, findings and I'm going to go over with them. And, Tony, you comment on them with me. But these are just general findings. Um, as you know, this show goes all over the United States, all over the world. So this is kind of interesting. They, um, In their finding in this report, they said nearly half, 47%, of U.S. adults have been targets of an imposter scam. Does that sound kind of familiar to you? Do you see that in, 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 your, in your city?
2: Well, yeah, we get a lot of uh, uh, call-ins from the, the elderly public uh, in reference to uh, the Social Security scams. Uh, somebody, uh, I've, I've gotten a, probably three or four in the last week. Uh, people are calling in and, and posing as, as agents for the government and, and uh, letting these folks know that their Social Security has been compromised and they need to take action to fix this. and We've been seeing that increase with the, the Social Security scams. And then uh, the romance scams, uh, we've right. had three, three or four of those in the past uh, a few months.
1: Right. I think that, you know, that that in their study, they said this uh, study examined adults' experience with relationship scams, which are romance scams and grandparent scams, and government imposter scams, including, which is now on everybody's mind here in the United States, census scams. And it said among those uh, scams, government poster scams were the most encountered, with two in five U.S. adults reporting having been a target. One that's pretty interesting to me. Um, well, I s- it
2: is, and they—I mean—they're I mean, they're, they're not just targeting the elderly, but right. like I've gotten calls myself three or four times, even in my, even here on my uh, desk phone inside the police station, they're calling. You know,
1: so. I, yeah, it, it, it affects everybody. The next, the next statistic, which is interesting, it says nearly one in five, about 18%, of U.S. adults targeted and or victimized by an imposter scam have experienced health problems or emotional distress <coughs> resulting from this encounter. Um, it said, um, th- that people who go through this, and especially to get in the elderly, it really affects them both emotionally and physically have you you found out that to be pretty true tony
2: yeah you know the mental part of it really does affect them mentally because uh a lot of times what they when they feel like that they've been once they realize that they've been targeted and it's a scam and then they got they kind of get a little paranoid and, and and don't want to deal with nobody that calls after that and uh so probably mentally more than anything and of course i guess the mental stress can can lead to the physical stress
1: right and 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 it's sad when we see that and of course a lot as we we speak about this constantly a lot that with our with our senior citizens and elderly is <clears throat> a lot of them are just lonely and and that they want to talk to somebody have you found that out to be true it,
2: well, especially with the romance scams, I, I've, I've noticed that it's almost, it's almost nearly impossible to get them to realize that, uh, that they're actually being scammed because they, they, and, and their mindset is that this person on the, the other end of the social media that they're talking to is a real person and, and, and everything they're telling them is the truth, and uh, it's almost impossible to get them to realize that it's a scam
1: right and i think some some guidance that we've given and see whether you concur with it is <clears throat> number 1 never pay money to somebody you've never met if you meet Absolutely. somebody in the internet right exactly A- and remember that that the internet gives people courage uh, not internet the computers give people courage they never had because you never have to interact with anybody number 1 and number 2 if you see a picture of somebody who says they're ex, they can be a picture of anybody.
2: Oh, absolutely. Me and you can make ourselves look really beautiful on
1: this. I know. <laughs> <people>. <laughs> we, could be, we could be like movie actors here. Exactly. Um, and when we talk about these type of, of scams, the AARP uh, addresses that two in five U.S. adults use the Internet to meet potential dates and or romantic partners. And almost half, 48%, have experienced at least one red flag that we just talked about from a love interest they met online. And then he goes, specifically says, a quarter were told by their love interest that they worked in another state or country and had a very business schedule that made it difficult to, to meet in person. Sounds like a red flag to me. What about you, Tony?
2: None of these people have met up. I haven't encountered one yet where they have actually met the person in in, in real real life. Uh,
1: the next red flag was a fifth of these people that that responded to the survey were asked by their love interest to send them money with a promise to repay them when they could. Sound about right?
2: Exactly, and, and almost every one of them ultimately it ends up with the other person asking for money so for in. Uh, it, it, in some form or fashion, they're going to they're going to eventually ask for money.
1: And, and then the next one is that they they have never met their love interest in person. Everything is done over the internet with pictures. And um, when you meet that perfect person over the internet, um, always be literally leery of that uh, of of who you're dealing with or what you're dealing with. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that. Um, you got to re- realize these people who deal on the computer in uh, these love interests, they've never met and they don't know who they are other than what they say on the computer. They said here 7% were asked by their love interest to open a bank account on their behalf or a joint account with them. Just absolutely amazing. I, I don't know why people would do that, but they do, right?
2: You know, it's beyond my understanding, but the, these people—they're—they're uh, they're very good at manipulating, and and and, and the victims—they fall for everything that they ask them for.
1: Well, I I think there's a an, and a, a uh, the method we're talking about about the computers, but the method that that uh, and see whether you experienced that too—that the 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 top contact message for imposter scams is. Um, the telephone is that your ex- your experience?
2: Yeah, uh, well, the, the last few cases that I've dealt with, most of it, it was uh, the uh, the victims are actually they they're, they're they're looking at the web, they're looking for they're looking for that relationship, and I you know how they go about finding these folks, I don't know exactly. Uh, my experience is they they've done it over the over the uh, the computer. It, you know, some of it may lead to uh, phone calls. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure.
1: Right. Well, I—that's I, on, the, on the true romance scams, but we're talking about like let's go to the imposter scams. Were oh there, yes,
2: yes. The imposter scams almost all of that's over the phone. Exactly. Right. Uh, it starts with a phone call, and and and, and a lot of the people that, that get these phone calls, they'll come to me, and uh, and they and they'll have the number that they're calling from, and they'll give me that number, but there's no way that that number is a real number.
1: Right. That can be traced. They, uh, right. They just had a, a situation here. I was watching the local news. A woman met her, quote, love interest on uh, uh, on the computer, and he convinced her to uh, uh, to send up upfront money because he was going to sell her. He had a deal on, like, a, a Lexus or some big car, and she bought a hook, line, sinker, sent the money, And then he said, well, listen, while I'm doing this, I have time. I'll be glad because I can consolidate your bills. I'll pay your bills and then you pay me. He wrote checks to, uh, she gave him the list of bills. He paid the bills. And he said, okay, I need reimbursement. So she reimbursed that money. And, of course, what happened? Every check he wrote bounced. It was a phony account that the number that she had dealt dealing with him has been shut down. There is no, nobody answered the phone. It says it's out of order and she's out thousands of dollars, you know, had she ever met him? No. But with, with, uh, with that we're going to go into a little more detail on some more of these, uh, red flags and some other examples where you've seen. So with that, we'll end our first segment of the safe senior hour.
0: Good morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the healing wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a March implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org want to give your family our loved one the perfect gift Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower.
1: Welcome back to the uh, Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis. We're honored today to have uh, a guest, a, a detective with the uh, Rome, uh, Georgia uh, City Police, uh, Tony Yarbrough. And uh, Investigator Yarbrough, we appreciate you your being online. And, uh, We're just going over some items that you've seen in your experience of of fighting elder abuse and elder crime. So uh, we thank you for um, being with us today.
2: Yes, sir. Glad to be here.
1: One of the areas before I go any farther, we always like to keep our our citizens informed of the latest scams. And what we're seeing now is um, what's starting to really get in the forefront of scams because it's on, on everybody's mind or it will be uh is the census you know they're taking a census this year and excuse me i know they've warned us about uh, the census scams i don't know have you seen any yet uh, tony that uh, uh that have taken uh, uh, hold in your area
2: uh, not in this area yet have we, uh, have they haven't, nobody's come forward with any of census scams right now.
1: Well, there's some guidelines that we talked about here about the census that I'm just going to pass on, and then you comment and see what you think here. It said um, uh, the uh, census um, says, let's see, 7 and 10 U.S. adults incorrectly think or unsure whether an email link of the 2020 Census Questionnaire will be sent to all U.S. households via valid address and file. In truth, the Census Bureau will never email invitations to complete the sen- sentence. So that's good to know. So if you get something on the internet saying it's from the Census Bureau, it isn't true. The Census Bureau will mail information to households on the ways that they can complete the questionnaire. And it says, for those who don't respond online by mail over the phone, they will be visited by a census, a, say a numerator. Um, so they better have some good IDs on that, don't you think, Tony? You go knocking on the door and saying with the Census Bureau, you need to be checking their uh, IDs, correct?
2: Absolutely, because you never know who's coming to the door talking.
1: And, and while we're talking coming to the door, remember, do not, under any circumstances, the recommendation is let somebody in your house you don't know. Is that pretty sound reasoning?
2: I, I use that advice on all my uh, door-to-door scams, especially like the home repair scams and that. Uh, I, I advise the, uh, the, the, the population out there, uh, don't let nobody inside. If you want to talk to them, talk to them out through the door or on the other side of the door.
1: Uh, uh, another myth is uh, 50% incorrectly think or unsure whether failing to respond to the census could result in jail time and the other more than a third incorrectly think or unsure whether the census questionnaire will ask for social security numbers uh, in fact the census questionnaire will never ask for your social security numbers that's important because people like to get a hold of that and, and that's an important uh, it's an important issue you know Um uh, the Census Bureau put out some, and, and the A- A- AARP put out um, some quiz questions, um, and I'll just go over them because it deals with census. And it says, uh, census workers, those who will visit you in the home to collect the census report, work between the hours of 9 and 9. Is that true? And the answer is yes. So so if anybody comes before 9 or after 9 and say they're with the census that should be a red flag. Two, um, that an email link of the 2020 census questionnaire will be sent by the Census Bureau to all U.S. households. We just answered that, right, Tony? There is none. They do not email. No email. email, exactly. no email. Uh, it says here, uh, let's see. Failed to respond to the census may result in a fine or a jail. That's a, that's a myth, and we just answered that. That's false. And then it says the Social Security Administration will contact you directly, either by phone or email, if there's a problem with your Social Security benefits. Uh, that's false. They'll write you. Um, and I think those are things that we got to remember. The government and the IRS will write you. They will not necess- They will not call you out of the blue. And uh, I don't know if you've um, – can you go over it since it's coming into April, of, of the IRS scams, Tony? Have you seen those?
2: Uh, I've had a few, yes. Uh, and, and then I tell people, you know, exactly what we're talking about, the census uh, guidelines, that uh, the government's not going to call you on the phone about your IRS uh, problems. And then it's the same with the Social Security scams. And They're not going to call you. You're going to be notified uh, via um, uh, probably certified mail.
1: Right. Uh, from the IRS. That's the way uh, exactly. they, they, they contact people. Um, and another myth, caller ID is a reliable way to know where a call is coming from. How do you respond to that, Tony? Uh,
2: you know, the caller IDs, you know, if if are calling from a legit number, it's going to show up the accurate place that it's calling from, but now with the spoofing them numbers, it's, it, it's, kind of, it's hard to track numbers sometimes.
1: And we we were at a seminar, and we heard that they have a, uh, I think they can pay five cents a number and create anything um, to show up on your caller ID, like on your cell phone or on your regular phone. So, be leery of that. Um, uh, And then for our... our, uh, um, our idea that if somebody calls and said that this census must be only completed in English, that's false. Um, let's see. Um, and the last one, they say IRS can call you about back taxes that you may owe without sending you a written notice first. And that's what we just said. They'll send you and say we're looking at X, Y, and Z, and then they, then they will send you uh, a, an official IRS certified letter addressing the issues uh, to let you know that somebody might be calling. So that's kind of an interesting uh, update on, our, on the latest scam of the of census and the IRS here um, type scams. Is there anything that, that, that you've seen in terms of those home improvement scams that we can tell people? What are some examples that you've seen in your area?
2: uh the several that I've dealt with in the past is, was usually the um, the tree service scams we we uh uh ended up arresting a fellow here that uh he was going not only this city he was traveling to the other cities surrounding it here uh including the metro atlanta area and uh he had a history of uh coming in doing half the work but getting the money up front and then leaving. And, and, I, and, and all the victims that I talked to, you know, I said, well, did you ask for any type of credentials from him or any kind of uh, insurance bonding or any kind of paperwork to prove that he had a legit business? Or uh, if, if these folks are coming in and offering a home repair service, you, you can call your local authorities uh, with the uh, licensing divisions, and they, they'll let you know if that, if that person is a licensed uh, home repair man in this area.
1: Oh, right, and I think we've talked about it at the various seminars that Tony and I have done. You know, we we talk about the home repairs will be driveways, roofing, trees, painting, and the one, you know, that affects a lot of people around here are pine straw scams. Have you seen that?
2: I haven't dealt with that yet, but I, but I know of it, yes.
1: Yeah, they come out and they'll say they're going to put down so many... Uh, bales of it, and you say, okay, I'll go for, uh, you know, 50 or bales or 100 bales, and uh, they come in and say, well, we had to have more pine straw than we thought, and they hold up all these strings and said, hey, we had to do 200 bales, so not only do you owe us for the 50, you owe us for another 150, and there's no way to refute it unless you you, you deal with them in a contract in the beginning and and, and get everything established. And the other point people tell us uh, who who fight these type of home repair scams is, number one, um, always ask for them for their insurance documents, right? Exactly. Because if they come in, and a lot of these people have these, they just make them up out of the blue. So if you go, if, if, if they say, well, listen, somebody was working on my roof, and They never finished it, and you and they go to your place, Tony, and you'll say, "Well, did you, they do any of the work? You know, that could be civil, but once you show them a insurance document that's phony, it now becomes a a, a criminal matter, correct?
2: It becomes a fraud crime, yes.
1: Fraud, right? And that's that's why the importance not only for your well being to know that these people are covered by insurance. It's also that it might be a tool that you can go to law enforcement and say, hey, they said they have this, I call this company, they never heard of them or they didn't, it wasn't, the policy wasn't in existence for the dates that they said they were in. So these are the kind of things that, you know, when they come in to do work at your house, make sure you have it. And and if they're business people, they expect those questions, correct?
2: a legit business and they'll be they'll be prepared to show you all that uh, from the beginning.
1: Right. And, and and um and if they don't, you know, you know, you can always say no. There's no obligation to continue some kind of a business relationship with somebody that you're not sure about. And I not think,
2: obligated in no way.
1: That's right. And I think those are the things that we need to be aware of as consumers and as being savvy consumers. Because you don't want to be in there and have paid out good money and gotten something like a paint that when it rains, it washes off the building. <laughs> no. And it happens, right? And, it does. And or I we've had cases where they came in to, to I know they, they, they met with some woman who, who was living alone. She was in her 70s or 80s and said, boy, you have a dangerous situation with trees. Let us cut it down. Well, and it'll cost so much to cut it down. Well, they didn't tell that It also cost so much to haul everything away. So yeah, they cut the trees down, and they're laid. The trees just laying in her front yard because she didn't uh, didn't negotiate to get them taken away, which was at a high amount. So these are things that we see out there, and unfortunately, they prey on people, and uh, and you see them in in, in your area. But with with that we're going to take our second break here on the safe senior hour and um, our segment and then we will be back and we're going to go into a little more specifics and maybe some interesting cases you've looked at Tony okay
2: Thank you.
0: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. column. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well,
1: welcome back to the Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis to our third segment. And we're honored today to have Investigator Tony Yarborough with the rome georgia um police department tony is a specialist that uh, part of his many duties but he he addresses um elder uh and at-risk victims crimes thank you for being on tony and yeah, thank you for having me well we we appreciate it we've been going over through some of the uh the the, the scams and i and uh, and issues that the aarp found in their latest survey um but just give some people about Rome. How far are you from uh, Atlanta?
2: We're probably approximately sixty-five miles uh, north of Atlanta, northwest of Atlanta.
1: Right, and you're kind of in a, in the a, in a, in a, I mean, though Rome's a city, but you're in a kind of a rural area. You border of the state of Alabama, and uh, um, I think that uh, that that as very common throughout our country and throughout the world that you do have. Uh, you know, issues that boundaries don't mean anything to these scammers, is that correct?
2: No, uh, some of our investigations lead us over across the state lines uh, a lot. And,
1: and and to let everybody know that because of what's going on and the issues that are out out there, is that, you know, law enforcement is, it works together. Isn't that what you found out, You're your one big... Uh, Try to be one big happy family and sharing information. Isn't that correct?
2: Well, you know, you've been a, a lawman yourself. You know, you can't do everything by yourself. And so when it comes to networking, that is a valuable tool in this business.
1: Right. And unfortunately, there's not enough people that are addressing the, uh, you know, the, these elder abuse issues. And again, I remind our listeners, older abuse to us is uh, physical, <clears throat> financial exploitation and institutional. Um Tony, have you got a, a minute, and without, we don't have to go into by name, names, but just some type cases that you've worked in each one of them. Have you uh, had the opportunity to work any uh, um, uh, cases that are of some, you would say, physical abuse? You know,
2: first, to the physical abuse, I have got some referrals on um, physical abuse, but to substantiate those, it, it, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, trying to get cooperation uh, a lot of times from the victim themselves. Uh, they don't, you know, in, in 99% of the time it's going to be a family member but then uh, they feel obligated, the victim does, not, not to uh, uh, indicate that, that the family member is doing anything intentionally to them. Uh, to them it's always an accident. If something happens to them it's always an accident. Uh, and there are, those are very difficult crimes to uh, to
1: investigate. And, and the importance of that is in Georgia we have some very strict um, mandated reporter um, requirements of health care workers and and numerous people. And the importance is that, you know, if we can start, you know, people start reporting a pattern of this abuse, I think it's kind of a, a significant um, uh um, element for law enforcement when you see this over and over again that somebody said they looked at, at, at this person, especially people who live alone and that relatives come to visit or relatives are there I think uh, that gets to be an issue and a big issue with people living alone and, and, and physical abuse, even though it might not be criminal is self-neglect. Have you seen that, Tony?
2: We get a, I get a lot of cases that there's self-neglect and uh, uh, that 's due to the, the, the people living by themselves they, they don 't have the care that they can uh, they need, and uh, so a lot of the, a lot of mishaps happen at the house while they 're by themselves and it results in in, in, in physical harm because uh, they 've done it to themselves but it 's because they don 't have the, the the assistance that they need in order to function every day
1: right, or that they've started to get in and many people started to get the first signs of dementia. And they just don't function in an everyday world, and they don't take care of everyday needs. Now, what everybody should realize is that in the United States, adult protective services um, are in every state, and that they um, they're they're a regulatory agency; they're not a, a law enforcement agency. But they will be on <clears throat> one of the the front lines of addressing this um, self neglect. Is that your experience, Tony?
2: I, I average probably 15 to 20 referrals a month, and, and almost all of them are coming from uh, Adult Protective Services uh, uh, representatives that are, you know, uh, somebody has called in, but they go make a home visit, and then if they su- suspect some kind of uh, criminal uh, activity or so, uh, a violation of a, of a crime, then they contact us
1: right and i think in georgia we have a unique statute uh, uh, say unique i don't know how many states have it but a reporter must report both both to law enforcement and adult protective services or if it's in a facility in georgia it's called the health care um, regulatory authority i think something like that right healthcare facilities regulators yes um but, you know, and I tell our, uh, to our listeners around, I mean, we all pretty much can see and know what a, what a physical abuse is. We have a case here in a in a city down here south of, of Atlanta where a caregiver, we have no idea why, just thought it would be great to, um, uh, to deal with a person with almost, if there's such a thing as 100% dementia, not with it. Thought it would be funny or nice or something. That she, as she was smoking her cigarette, she kept uh, burning the the flesh of, of this patient. Now we all know that's physical um, abuse, and 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 we can't tolerate anything or anything like that against our elderly. You know, it, it, the society owes owes us to look into those things.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, the other one is. Let's see, the, uh, have you seen anything in the in the institutional world where you know people might have reported instances where where you got in and actually made some cases here?
2: We have. I've had several where. Uh, they they were coming from some of our memory care facility areas, mm-hmm. and, and and that and those are difficult. Uh, some of these crimes are co- complex to deal with because of the condition of the victim, uh, especially when you deal with cognitive uh, functioning. And in these memory care facilities, you know, you can you can you can talk to the victim, and but then you can go back the next day and you get a different story. But that's just because it's due to the, the condition that they have but uh yeah we ha- i've had one um, for instance uh, it was a, a med tech a med technician that was a that worked worked this particular facility and i, I talk about this because we closed this out but uh he didn't just absolutely didn't want to deal with uh i think you know i couldn't prove it on his part to be a criminal intent but he didn't want to deal with the patients due to their conditions and some of them give him a hard time So he was changing up medications on him to kind of sedate him. you know, that was the the allegation. And uh, we had to go through a whole bunch of, uh, 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 we went, actually they took that patient and actually had some drug test screening done on her to make sure that she didn't get those medications that that supposedly was given to him. But that type of stuff could go on and, and nobody would ever know about it. It just so happened another med technician. Uh, had heard him over overheard him talking about something like that but
1: And, and 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 a lot of these especially institutional are from the complaints come from family members who come in or as we talked about mandated reporters and i think you had that matter where there was a um a, a co-worker that kept seeing this guy go into this room every day and had no idea what what he was doing wasn't it was was that your case and, uh, and it was a woman with a Honda had dementia and they were sexually assaulting the woman
2: no that, that wasn't mine um, okay. I had another one that involved another CNA at another one of our facilities here where though she was and she was reported by a fellow employee thought to be under the influence while she was on the job and she actually left that facility that day and when she was stopped by our local police she was in possession of a whole bunch of prescription drugs that belonged to residents where she worked at and uh, well that, she, was, she was subsequently charged with all that.
1: Well that, that's a good point here that you know uh, our, our seniors as they get older they're on more and more uh, type drugs and pain medicine and a lot of people um, that are that that are, that are allegedly there to help, in some cases are actually taking those drugs away and 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 using them, and that's a, that's a horrible situation. I I heard about there were some kind of pain patches. Are you familiar with those, Tony? Where yes, yes, sir. I think there were. I I'm not a medical person, so I don't know all the details, but they were being stolen and then. It was by somebody who was in another county uh, area than yours where they were then, actually, they were then either freezing them or whatever it is and then cutting them up and selling it on the street for like $20 for like a a quarter of the patch or something. It was horrible. But, you know, people were trying to find a way to get money. And to and in that case, they were taking away the pain medicine from, from the seniors. Exactly. So, uh, it, it's sad. So... I think we've got to be aware of the conditions people are living in these institutions. And again, when we say institutional living, we're looking at things as such as assisted living, obviously the term nursing homes, but also we're looking in the personal care homes. And when you get in there, you get into some nuances. Some people call personal care homes um, group homes or um uh, some people call them, you know, various types of, of residence areas. Have, have you run into that kind of of conditions where where it's been questionable?
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely, we have uh, numerous occasions. Unfortunately, uh, it seems like within the last several years that that, that type of uh, activity has just has just boomed, and it ain't just in this county. It's that's, that's statewide, and I'm sure it's probably nationwide as mm-hmm. well uh and, and ultimately what they you know that boils down to is, is trafficking uh, uh, these people for their benefits. Uh, majority of these people that are inside these uh, these type of residences are, are mentally disabled or they have some kind of cognitive dysfunction and and, and, and uh, uh, they're being taken advantage of by uh, greedy people.
1: Right, right, and and again, you know, there are some very, very good places, and again, we have to remember that, but the bad ones, when they're bad, they're bad, and they're, they're finding a way to not only get their Social Security money or Medi- Medicare or Medicaid money, but they also can get food stamps, and a lot of this gets turned over. And they keep these people who they, they, they will house, they keep them from place to place. I think there was a case you saw where you went in that they took over a what was it a, a, a an old daycare center or something and you found there were like 10 people could you just go over that with the uh, with our listeners
2: yeah that was uh, involving an, an incident and with the the suspect was actually uh, she had she was known for this type of activity she already had a history of it. But she had a licensed, uh, licensed facility in another county, but she had found her an, 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 an older daycare uh, building here in the, in the city, and she opened that up, and, and she was uh, fixing, she calls it a boarding house, but she had uh, up to 10 residents housed in that, you know, female, male, both, and, and I, there was only two bedrooms in that place and one bathroom. Wow. And she was charging these people a lot of money to stay inside that place.
1: And, and these are the type of situations out there that you, their listeners, will hear about or know about. And again, you know, you're not the investigators of the world. You're not paid to do that. But you, but by, by reporting that to either law enforcement or adult protective or whatever the appropriate places in your city or country, country that you might be able to get people to, to, to help and go look at the situation because. You put 10 people in two bedrooms, male and female, in one bath, it's a horrible, you can just imagine what kind of conditions that's very plausible in there. And since you can't go in, they've got to go in, you know, the officials, and it's only they that have the access, because all these are private property, but... With that, we're going to end our third segment of the Safe Senior Hour, and we'll come back and and, uh, go into some more interesting type matters that Tony uh, Yarbrough from the Rome PD has seen.
0: Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers, Timothy and the guys Column. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works. 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear The Doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, welcome back to our final segment of the Safe Senior Hour. And today we're honored to have a guest, uh, uh, Investigator uh, Tony Yarborough with the Rome, Georgia City Police. Uh, uh, Tony, I'm glad uh, you're on today, and I know where this time goes by real quick. So we're in our final segment. So uh, thank you for being here. Thank you, Joe. And I think we, as we remind everybody that elder abuse doesn't report itself, so please, please, if you see something, say something to either law enforcement or people that you deal with, uh, in your community that you trust, whether it be somebody in the faith-based community, a good friend, somebody that take care, that handles senior care, please advise them on what the situation is and let the professionals come in and take care of it. We we certainly want to help a, any of our at-risk adults or seniors that have that have issues. We don't we don't emphasize that enough here. That uh, you know you all are the eyes and ears to help your fellow citizens, and um, uh, I think that's uh, good advice, don't you, Tony?
2: Oh, absolutely. We rely a lot on the public uh, for their input and their information.
1: We're going to talk about something that they have initiated with the uh, Floyd County Police up in, in, which is the county that has the Rome, city of Rome in it, and it's something our North Georgia Elder Abuse Task Force have we made aware of through um, the Floyd County Police and Rome Police um, and through the Alzheimer's Association, and that is the problem of wanderers excuse me, uh, six in ten people with dementia will wander, um, and that means they will just pick up and leave, and, and it becomes a very dangerous situation because many of those people may not remember his or her name or addresses. So, Tony, what, what are you all doing, and what's your thoughts on this and uh, how, we, how law enforcement and we're trying to help?
2: yeah uh, Joe we started uh, actually the Floyd County uh, Police Department started a program that they uh, uh, has been named project lifesaver and uh, and what that is is, is in conjunction uh, they, they, they got grant money to uh, to purchase some equipment and the equipment it, it, it entails a, a, a tracker and some transmitter uh, bracelets and uh, they've uh, produced a program in, in, in order to um, uh, find, find people that would uh, qualify for the program to receive one of these um, transmitters. And the transmitters look similar to that of a watch or like a hospital bracelet with a transmitter device on it. And, and they they can affix it to the person's wrist or their ankle. And, and it's set up for uh, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's patients, people with cognitive disabilities, as well as autistic children, and uh, the whole point of this is it it allows us to cut down the time that we would take to search for these people if they come up missing.
1: Right, Uh, and and I think in this case, too, in Rome, that the the area uh, uh, administrator on aging also got a grant to make these available, so everybody out there there's a, there, this shows you a cooperative venture between um, uh, social assistance uh, and uh, law enforcement trying to help resolve a problem here and that's a that's of wanderers so by giving the bracelet now explain what the bracelet does and uh, and then how you all use it to save time to try to help find these people. <laughs>
2: Yeah, each each bracelet has got its own own particular radio frequency, and uh, whenever a bracelet is issued to a a, 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 a patient, uh, that's documented what their frequency is, and, and the and the and the receivers that we have here at the police department that we use, uh, are that when we go out we can set we can tune those into that particular radio frequency. And uh, usually we rely on eyewitness accounts of uh, where they last seen somebody, and if we can get within the area, th- those uh, transmitters will put out a, a signal uh, probably about a mile away. And, and uh, you know, the time, the time frame, and, and if you was to do a, just a typical ground search uh, without this type of assistance, you're looking at three to four hours, maybe a, a day or two, but with this, with this system, this tracking system, uh you uh, a, a patient or, or a victim can be located within about thirty minutes
1: yeah it's it's an incredible uh operation and and uh, um, it it um, as I said this cooperation is 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 very u- certainly unique here in Georgia and uh, trying to address it when when you see that many people, Tend to wander, and again, you know, when we're talking about wanderings, haven't looked at it here. I know the Alzheimer's Association has come out with some, some, some reasons for it, but uh, you know, uh, you, again, these are loved ones, and many people live at home, you know, where they have just various levels of dementia, and uh, you know, some lived in, the, you know, an assisted living or are mem- or, or not assisted memory care units. And but but some of the reasons why they wander—it's not they just get up and say I'm going to go wander. It's that 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 your loved one might wander as a reaction to an unfamiliar or unstimulating environment, a loud noise or situation he or she doesn't understand. It's like it just says I've got to do something, and they just take off. Um, and they might get lost while they're searching for someone or something. Oh, I have to go find my son, or I've got to go find. Uh, this 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 document, or I've got to go find this piece of equipment, and they start walking, and they get away, they get outside a a, a known environment, and they just just start to wander, and some just just do it because they might be bored. I know we talked about that earlier, Tony, about people are are lonely or bored, uh, and then, um, or some of them might just want to go outdoors, and once they get out, they lose their way. Or they might uh, um, go back, and this I thought was interesting, we heard this, we, we, Tony and I spoke with the triple, uh, the area um, administrators on aging to assist uh, um, assisted living, and, and I, I was uh, uh, interested to find out many people as they get older and get dementia start to look back in their past. And they might or try to go to work or do chores or buy groceries how they used to do it. Is, have you heard about that, Tom?
2: You know, people resort back to their old memories right. and, and to the to the time when they, when they had a particular uh, reason to get up every day and they had a job to do, or or and, and a lot of these people feel like that you know they're living in that time now that they got to get up and they got someplace they need to be because that's the way they've always done it.
1: Yeah, and I think this is is, is really key to um, to that environment. And, and there's a selection process: who wears the bracelets and, and the, the transmitters, and who doesn't. But as I think we saw some study that after four hours, um, the, the the safe well-being of that person who's wandering, uh, the chances of them um, being found without any without any physical issues or, um, uh, starts to really go down. I mean, that, so four hours is kind of a key, key time, I think, is, is what we were told. But, but we're working with the PD and we're working with the AAAs, our North Georgia task force. And, uh, thanks to donors, as you know, we are run by a foundation, the North Georgia Elder Abuse Task Force Foundation, where people have donated money and, and, uh, uh, to help pay for the for, for our activities and what we're trying to do now is follow what took place I believe it was Citrus County Florida and other areas in Florida and I think uh, Chicago has it right now that we're planning to give out they're called scent kits s-c-e-n-t kits and um, and I think these th- this is maybe a little less expensive but it'll be something that everybody can have for their their loved ones that um, um, who might tend to wander. And what this is is a is a actual kit that, that that we buy and it's got a gauze and it's got people wear gloves and you go in and under the arms or whether you can get the scent of your loved one and you put it on the gauze and you put it in a in a jar and seal it and keep it in a refrigerator. And that is a uh, um, uncontaminated scent of your loved one. And the importance here is that one of the best ways to find people are canines. Have you found that, Tony?
2: Right. We, uh, in particular, our sheriff's department has a has a bloodhound. uh, In which bloodhounds they they are a scent tracking dog. Uh, Not all your canines actually scent are scent trackers, but your bloodhounds are, and they and they track solely off the scent of, of somebody.
1: And so, if you have a uncontaminated scent, the dogs can get on it very quickly. And what interests us and why we're really supporting it—that that scent can, uh, it, that's kept in that sealed jar, the dogs can use it up. To, you know, they say five to seven years. So it's it's a it is an absolute uh, um, uh, wonderful thing to think about and to help your loved ones because I think it's a. Uh, it's sure, surely is a, is an issue that we all need to, uh, to be aware of, especially we deal with our, with our loved ones, you know, I mean, I think that's, I think that'll be a good, a good, um, use of, of resources and trying to help people. Remember, everything is, we're just here looking to, to just help people, uh, help with, with their friends. We're using this from the uh, scent uh, evidence canine, uh, is the uh, sck nine scent prevention kit. So what we're going to use, you can there are many other kits out there, or you can you can try to uh, to make to, to use your own, whatever you can think of. But the important thing is get the scent of of your loved one, because if they do this wandering and you saw six out of ten, they're going to wander, and just hopefully thank God that we. Uh, uh, uh get the message to the to the professionals and to the caregivers that there are ways to take care of them and try to try to keep our loved ones um protected because it's really important that that we do this here. Uh Tony how uh, on the on your electronic deal how long uh, it, once you have the antennas how long do they have to to find these people? I mean how many miles the range?
2: Uh, well, you got about a mile range, which would encompass, uh, you know, that's a good, good area. Uh, right. If, it, if, if, if the trackers are uh, placed in an aircraft, uh, like a helicopter, uh, I think the range increases up to five miles. Uh, but usually when we use that system, we can get put in the area pretty close to where they were last seen. And uh, chances are that uh, they won't be far off. And this, this is amazing because uh, we went out and did studies with it and, and worked and, and, uh, worked out in the field
1: with
2: oh. it. You can get right to the low, within yep. 30 feet of, of your
1: target. Well, I think it's important, and we're going to try to do this, and we're helping people, and we're going to have to end, end our show today. But thank you for coming on, Tony Arbro, Detective with the Rome PD, and we appreciate all that you do. And that concludes, we appreciate it, that concludes the safe senior hour. Remember, elder abuse doesn't report itself.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.